Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Great to see you here today. I wish I could be there with you in person. If this is your first time with us, my name is Jeff McVeigh, and I'm the lead pastor here at Cross Community Church, but I'm on sabbatical this summer, and I would look forward to meeting you when I get back. I would love to get to know you better. But today, you have a great opportunity to hear one of my favorite preachers. Pastor Marlene Webster is here with us today. Pastor Marlene has served a couple of congregations in Owasso, Michigan. She was the children's pastor at Owasso First for a long time before she felt a call of God to found Owasso City Church. Owasso City Church started meeting in a small cafe, and that ministry has blossomed to serve those in the inner city of Owasso. And they have a great ministry going on right there in the heart of the city. Pastor Marlene also serves as one of our Shiawassee County Commissioners. She has a heart for people. She is a servant and she is a phenomenal preacher. And so I'm excited for you to get to hear her. So let's welcome Pastor Marlene with a good cross-community welcome. Thanks, Marlene, for being here and helping us today. I look forward to hearing what God is going to say to us through you today. Thanks for being here. Well, how's that for having the bar set really high, right? He should have just said, she's pretty mediocre, right? That would have made me a little more comfortable. Something I read this morning as I was preparing was, uh, was kind of one of the theologians that I follow. He was He's an a Old Testament theologian. And he was talking about the times in the Old Testament when Solomon and others prayed for a wise heart or a discerning heart. And he said that the Hebrew word actually means a hearing heart. And he said he likes to picture a heart with big ears. And so I pray this morning for you that you'll have a heart with big ears. And for me, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. If you are able and would like to stand with me uh, as we read the gospel this morning from Matthew 13, you're invited to do so. I understand some of you would probably prefer to sit, and that's okay, too. This is the gospel according to Matthew chapter 13, and if you're following along, um, I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 13 and then skipping down to 18 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, listen. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on a path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. 
Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. If you have ears, hear. Then the disciples came and asked, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of this age and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I enjoy gardening, um, flower gardening, planting flowers. Probably is more accurate to say I love the idea of being a flower gardener. And, um, and so I, I grow several flower pots, and my pots always turn out pretty nicely. I'm pretty faithful about watering, or if I'm traveling or gone, I get somebody else to water for me. There's a, there's a piece in our yard, kind of at the end of the driveway, headed around toward the back by the patio, that would make a beautiful perennial garden. And so when we moved in 15 years ago, I started sticking some perennials in there. But they don't look great. They are not in good soil. And I know this. I know that that soil is hard. It's hard to shovel. There's a lot of roots in there. But I don't have the time and don't take the time to really kind of cultivate what needs to happen there to grow beautiful perennials. And so I always notice that, like, my Russian sage blooms two or three weeks later than my neighbor's, and it just doesn't look as good. And every year, I think, for 15 years, I have said to my husband, someday I'm going to dig up those perennials. Well, here's the other thing. I still go buy perennials every year at the flower store. And put more in there. Because someday, that is going to be a beautiful perennial garden. And I love the idea of being a gardener. Uh, And every year I tell my husband, someday, I'm going to dig all those perennials out, even the ones I just put in this year, and take all that nasty dirt out. It's kind of clay. It's hard. It's just terrible soil. And it doesn't drain well. It's it's just not good. And I'm going to have somebody come... And make that some good dirt so that I will have a beautiful perennial garden. But cultivating and growing takes time. It's difficult for seeds and for plants to take root 
in hard, rocky, weedy, thorny dirt. And that's kind of what Jesus was saying in this parable that we heard today from the Gospel of Matthew. Here's how I think we usually hear this parable. Um, We need to be good dirt, right? We're church people. Our hearts are open. We want to hear what God has to say. All of those pagan, godless, liberal people, they're bad dirt. They're thorny. And, and they're, they're going to reject the gospel. They want nothing to do with, with God or with the church. But I'm a good church person, and I have the good dirt, right? And so we kind of dismiss, and we just say, well, that's just the way they are, right? That's the, nothing's going to take root. They don't want to know Jesus. But as I think about my garden, I think never once have I gone out there and thought, why hasn't that dirt tilled itself up? Why haven't those weeds extracted themselves from my beautiful perennial garden? Isn't there some responsibility that lies with the planter, with the sower, to make sure that the dirt is good so that when the plants are put in, they can grow and flourish? In fact, Jesus kind of talked about this. He was asked the question, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus said, because the soil isn't ready. Because he said to the disciples, you know and you understand. And so he would speak more directly to the disciples because they had better soil. But he was being a good gardener. And not trying to put seed in a place that he knew it wouldn't grow. He was, he was packaging the same truth of the gospel in different language for different groups of people. He didn't teach everybody the same thing or say the same thing to everybody. Because he knew everybody's dirt. And he knew which hearts were ready to hear it plainly. And which hearts needed to have some weeds pulled, needed to have the thorns removed, needed to have the dirt cultivated a little more, maybe just pull all the dirt out and put new dirt in, but he knew people, and so he spoke differently depending on who he was speaking to. The church has had some methods of sowing gospel seeds in, in recent decades, and a lot of times I think we're still trying to sow the seed of the gospel in dirt that is not the same as it used to be. So the way the seeds of the gospel used to be sown was that we would go knock on doors and share the gospel, right? Can you imagine going in your neighborhood and knocking on everybody's door and asking them, do you know if you die, if you're going to heaven tonight, how that would go over in 2023? We have different dirt, right, than we did back in the 70s and 80s. We used to have bus ministries where you could just drive through a neighborhood and 50 kids would pile on a bus and you could bring them all to church. Anybody here ever do bus ministry? Can you imagine in 2023 just going around? There were no permission slips that I recall in bus ministry. Like people were just sending their kids to church. But it isn't 1970. The dirt is different now. And sometimes we try to 
shortcut the cultivating and shortcut the work that it takes to do to build relationship with people so that the gospel seed can be sown in their hearts. And we believe that we have shared the gospel when we show up at a pride event with a sign with scripture verses on it. Or when we carry our pro-life or anti-abortion signs, we pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm good dirt, they're bad dirt, they don't, they're rejecting my sign, so therefore they must be rejecting Jesus, when in fact, we haven't taken time to cultivate a place where the seed of the gospel could take root and grow. It's interesting that Jesus uses this analogy of garden and seeds and growing things and thorns and weeds and ground. Sort of as um, I have matured as a pastor, one of the things that I've been learning recently is about how the whole entire Bible connects to itself. It's If you've kind of dismissed the Old Testament or the First Testament, as I like to call it, because old means we don't need it anymore, if you've sort of dismissed that, I would just encourage you to not do that and to find the ways that the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels are very often lifted word for word from the Old Testament scriptures. And so these images here of ground and of seeds and of growing things, they they take my mind back to Genesis. They take me back to those days when creation was brand new and in the garden where human beings lived in right relationship to God and right relationship to each other and, and to creation, where everything flourished and grew in abundance. Not only did crops grow, but relationships could flourish. And it was a beautiful picture of what God intends for the world to be. Part of the consequences of our separation and our disobedience from God in Genesis 3 talks about that the soil is going to become thorny. Genesis 3.17 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. We live in a broken world. A world where, as the Christmas carol, Joy to the World says, thorns infest the ground. We live in a time when it's difficult for people to hear and to receive the gospel so that it can take root in their lives. But when we become new creation people, when our hearts have been tilled and and the, the seeds of the good news of the gospel begin to grow in us, then we are compelled to join God in the new creation work that he is doing in the world. The beauty in the parable of the sower is that the sower is kind of reckless with the seed. He's not. Now, I used to plant beans with my dad. He was a perfectionist. He'd have a very straight line. Ted, could you bring me my water? I meant to bring it up. And I'm on some medication that's making my mouth very dry. I'm going to need to. So my dad was very particular about how we planted beans. One, and they had to be the right distance apart. Straight rows, right? This sower is throwing seed. And it's landing everywhere. It's going down into thorny places where addictions and abuse and oppression have brought harm and pain into God's creation. 
It's going down into hard and difficult places, the rocky places where people have hardened their hearts and turned away from religion and walked away from the church because of the incongruence that they see sometimes between our words and our actions. Their hearts have become hard. The sower is sowing seed and the seed falls into places where people are so busy pursuing the American dream and being swallowed up by consumerism. And yet life seems empty and without purpose. And the seed is falling there and wants to go there. But the ground is hard and rocky and thorny. And too often as a church, we've stepped back and folded our arms and stepped into our comfort zones and made the conclusion that if people don't like our Jesus fish bumper sticker or our our pro-life yard sign, they're just hard soil and they don't want to know. We've sort of latched onto that phrase that many times that Jesus said, go and sin no more. And we lead with that. Right. Jesus said, go and sin no more. When, in fact, we forget that Jesus never, ever, ever said that to anyone with whom he had first not healed, rescued, restored, forgiven. He tilled the soil before he said, go and sin no more. The call to believe and behave should come after the call to belong. I'm going to say that again. The call to believe and behave should come after. After the call to belong, because the gospel is good news. It is good news to the poor. It is release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. It is freedom for the oppressed. It is proclamation of grace and favor for all of creation. And as Wesleyans, now if you're new here, I'll I'll tell you what that means when I say as Wesleyans. In the church of the Nazarene, what we teach and believe is largely shaped by a guy named John Wesley, who was sort of in teaching in opposition or in correction of a guy named John Calvin who said that God's salvation is just for some people. There's an elect and and God has decided to save some people and everybody else is going to hell. How joyful is that? (laughs) But as Wesleyans, we believe in what is called provenient grace. And we believe that the grace of God goes before every single person, before the seed even gets there. And that the grace of God is at work in the hearts of every single person that we encountered because God wants to save every single person in the world with no exceptions. The gospel is for everyone. But here's the thing. Cultivation takes time that's why my perennial bed doesn't look great i have this idea of having great beautiful flowers but i have lots of great beautiful ideas that i'm chasing down all the time and i don't always get them all done as followers of jesus we are called to cultivate the soil in every encounter and in every relationship that we have cultivation takes time Relationships don't grow quickly. Love can't be in a hurry. Sometimes in church we've valued results over relationships. Uh, You may or may not know that we pastors have to report how many new members we got this year and how many people were baptized and how many people were saved and how many were sanctified and how much money did we have and how much did the church grow. And, And cultivation isn't on the list. How many relationships did you cultivate? 
because relationships take a long time and it's really, really hard to measure that. Part of the work that we do at City Church includes a nonprofit called Shiawassee Hope. And sort of the centerpiece of that ministry is that we have uh, in a local trailer park that is sub-poverty with about 60 units in it. Eleven years ago when we started the church, we also bought a trailer in that trailer park. And we have worked in the trailer park. Sometimes we've held church services there, just kind of going with the ebb and flow of the community. If there, sometimes people are interested in church and we'll have church for a year or two and then they all move away and we have to start cultivating again with the new people who move in. But we've done back-to-school parties every year, and we do Halloween parties and Easter egg hunts and, and, and all kinds of stuff there. And people ask me sometimes, well, do you share the gospel? Well, if they mean do every time that we're together, do I offer an opportunity for people to say the sinner's prayer, the answer to that question is no. Or do I present the Roman road to people? The answer to that question is no. Most of the time, we are tilling soil. We're helping to remove thorns and rocks from people's hearts and lives. People who don't have enough food, who don't have enough to live on, who are in layer upon layer of broken relationship, who are in layer and layer and generation after generation of all kinds of abuse. It would, to throw out the seed in those conditions would not be received. The ground has to be tilled first. Back in February, I got a call from a young woman who was at the time 19 years old. And she had been in a series of um, uh, kind of moving from one house to another. She lived with her brother's dad for a while, and that didn't work out. She moved in with a boyfriend. That was a terrible situation. She moved home with her mom and stepdad. That was a terrible situation. And she was needing a place to live. So we invited her to come live at our house. Now, this was not my first encounter with Alex. Alex grew up in the trailer park. I've known her for about 11 years. She used to be a little 8-year-old girl who we'd give a backpack to for back to school. We used to serve, and we still do, we serve dinners every Tuesday night. Chicken dinner, sloppy joe, good food, not just pizza. Cultivating relationships. Her mom was riding a bike from the trailer park to work at Walmart in Owasso, which um, is about a five-mile ride, and it's not an easy ride. And so when I found out about that, I started giving her mom a ride to work until mom could afford to get a car. And so Alex was there all of these years that we are cultivating, cultivating, and now she's living in our house, and she's been, she was sexually abused as a child by one of her brother's fathers, has had all kinds of trauma, and she's living with us now. And she was talking to me one day, and she's a a great kid. She's in college now. She just started her second semester of college. She had tried one semester before, but she's back, back into college. She's working two jobs, and she's just an amazing, brilliant young woman. And one day she was telling me about a friend of hers who is in some really kind of bad patterns of behavior, and she said to me, well, he grew up with a lot of trauma. And I said to her, now listen, Alex, I saw you're growing up. You had a lot of trauma. So why is it that he's like that, but you're like this? And you know what she said? Because you were there. Because the church was there. 
Because I knew that even on my worst days, I could look and see that there was something better than this. You were a stabilizing force in my life. Was I sharing the gospel all of the times that we were out there when I didn't say anything? Yeah. It was cultivating. It was tilling, pulling out the weeds, making the dirt so that it could receive the gospel. And now, 10 or 11 years later, it's harvest time. Alex is a very active part of City Church. She's been living with us for six months. We recently had missionaries, uh, Steve and Rebecca Barber from this district. I don't know how many of you know them. They, the way we kind of do missionary service at our church is we just do a backyard barbecue and people hang out with the missionaries. And Alex is interested in psychology and in helping girls who were in similar situations to what she was. And so Rebecca Barber found out about that and got her connected to a young lady who is serving in Thailand with them, who is working among the sex workers there. And one night, sitting in my house, that little girl who was in the trailer park is on a Zoom call with a missionary in Thailand talking about how she's using psychology in Thailand to help young women there. I said to Ted, this is amazing. Like, I can't orchestrate these kinds of stories. And I didn't know every year, here's your backpack, here's a hug, have a sloppy joe, that we were cultivating. Cultivating soil means being willing to walk alongside people in their, beside people in their pain. It means listening and building relationships without the ulterior motive of getting people to come to church. That's a really hard one to let go of. But people know if that's why you're building a relationship with them, that you're just trying to get them to come to the next thing at church. If you cultivate the soil and plant the seed eventually, they probably will come to church. It's just kind of a natural thing. But even in this parable, Jesus says, when you've cultivated the soil well, you're going to get different results. Sometimes you'll get 100, sometimes 60, sometimes 30. Our job is to cultivate and to leave the outcome to God. Ted and I have, over the years, taken about 13 kids into our home. And um, Alex is just the most recent one. One of them is now a Salvation Army pastor. She was a former heroin addict. Um, one is a school counselor. One of them died after she moved out of our house from a fentanyl overdose. And one of them is serving a 10 year prison term. And we talk to him every week. He calls and asks us to pray for him at church on Sunday. We cultivated with everybody, but the outcomes were different. It was our job to cultivate. In my previous assignment, we were, um, uh, holding a honors banquet for kids who are part of our alternative ed high school, which is a great thing to do. I'm sure you have alternative ed here, but um, uh, a lot of, you know, kids who go to regular school get open houses and honors banquets and all this sort of stuff, and the alternative ed kids just don't get that. So we were holding a banquet, and I was sitting at a table with one of our dear, sweet church ladies, and one of the kids was sharing their broken, broken story. And the church lady said, and I'm not trying to be harsh on her, she just, she was overwhelmed by it. Because if you haven't been around brokenness, you don't, you don't know how it is. She was kind of overwhelmed by it. And she said, you know, I think I'm just going to stay down on my farm. (laughs) Can I just say, 
that I'm really glad Jesus didn't stay on the farm. Because he was in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing and took on the form of a servant because he was God. That's why Jesus came and ate with sinners. That's why Jesus invited himself to lunch at Zacchaeus' house. That's why Jesus took a detour through Samaria to meet a woman in the well, at the well. That's why Jesus could be found at the table of Simon the Pharisee. That's why he offered loaves and fishes to people because he knew their dirt and he was cultivating the soil so that the kingdom could grow there. This is what God does. God creates and God brings order out of chaos and God makes all things new. And when thorns infest the ground and weeds grow up and choke out the seed of the kingdom, when the soil has become hardened so that it cannot receive the gospel, the garden maker goes to work and invites us to join him. I want to back up just a little bit and and talk about the hard hearts. I promise I'm getting close to the end. Remember Jesus was speaking this parable to a mixed crowd. His disciples were there. Um, Some people who weren't close followers of his were there, the crowd. And the religious fundamentalists, the Pharisees, were there. They weren't open to the new thing that God was doing in Jesus. And I think that's where Jesus would say that the hard soil was those might be the people who would be hardened toward the idea of eating with sinners of being patient enough to trust god with long view that relationship requires if you haven't had your heart broken for the pain of the world in a long time you might be in the hard heart group If you haven't discovered anything new about Jesus or been challenged in any way in your life to lay down your life and follow Jesus like the song that we sang, if you haven't thought anything new about God in a long time, you might be, you might be the one, I might be the one in the hard heart category. The the creator wants to do his creation work through us and in us. Are you ready to join the gardener in tilling the soil that's around you until the good news of the kingdom is lavishly scattered into all kinds of soil? One of my favorite scriptures is Ezekiel 36, 33, and 35. This is what it says. Thus says the Lord, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the towns to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. The land that was desolate will be tilled. Instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. Now inhabited and fortified. You see, we call ourselves holiness people Even while all around us, there's rocky, thorny, hard soil. Creation is crumbling around us, and sometimes we're just staying on the farm. But Ezekiel says that when holiness people come around, the land that was desolate gets tilled. And people will walk by and say, this place that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. 
May it be true of Cross Community Church. May you joyfully go to work with the gardener, cultivating relationships, rescuing people from rocky, thorny soil where nothing good is growing so that people will walk by and say, this place called Kalamazoo, this place called Portage, which was desolate and lifeless, has become like the Garden of Eden. Thank you, Pastor Marlene, for sharing with us this morning. Are we cultivating a place where the seed of the gospel can grow? It's a good question. I love Alex's story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. When she says, because the church was there, that is a, that is a hopeful statement. It's also a convicting statement for us, I think, to wrestle with and to think about. Are we ready to be that kind of church? Are we asking God to help us become that kind of a church, that kind of a place? It's our job. It's what God has called us to do. It is our privilege, our calling to be a place where we cultivate that kind of space. Where God can meet the broken. Are we that? place. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Marlene. Thank you for sharing from the scriptures for us. Next Sunday is our We Care Sunday, and so we want to invite you to be here for that. Um, Our kids have prepared a program for us that you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is also an opportunity for us to continue to build the bridge between here and our We Care and let them know that this is a place where they can grow. This is a place where they can land and find life. So will you join us next week, celebrate with our kids, and help us continue to build that bridge to our We Care and to that ministry. But would you stand with me this morning as we pray and as we go? Lord Jesus, we don't want to just continue to do what is comfortable. We want to join you in what you are already working to do. We want to be a part of participating in your rescue mission. You came to the world. You came after the world. And so we want to join you in going after the world and bringing life and bringing hope to the places where it's needed most. So I pray that we would be willing to change God, help us change so that we can be a place that is cultivating a space where the seed of the gospel can grow. Help us to love our world. Help us to love our neighbors. Help us to love even our enemies, God, that the world would see the radical nature of your love. And we pray that you would help us to trust and and to even lean into your provenient grace to know the way that you are going after others. And to remember that your desire is for all to come to know you, for all to be found. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy that is given to us and it is given to all. I pray these things in your name. Amen. 
Let me send you out with blessing as you go. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with that hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in his peace. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. Thank you.